Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. People on both sides of the political fence continue to debate on the best health care system for America. Some embrace the Affordable Care Act. Others want Medicare for all. Then there's those that prefer private health insurance plans. The problem with all of these options is they completely ignore what's really needed if we want to be healthy and lower the financial burden of rising medical costs. Our guest today, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, says we need to look in the mirror and take personal responsibility. 80% of heart disease and 40% of cancer could be prevented by simple lifestyle changes. The healthcare decisions being made by Washington bureaucrats isn't addressing the real problem. Dr. Sapphire's book title says it all. Make America healthy again. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman. Changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a full-time practicing board-certified radiologist and cancer imaging specialist at Memorial Sloan Catering Cancer Center in New York City. She's a nationally known medical contributor and regular guest anchor for the Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network. She's on the advisory boards of the New Jersey Department of Health and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, author of Make America Healthy Again, How Bad Behavior and Big Government Caused a Trillion Dollar Crisis. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. Oh, it's great. First, share with us, what inspired you to write Make America Healthy Again? Well, I mean, full disclosure, I have three boys, and my oldest was getting ready to go off to college, and I, need, I needed a way to channel some of that energy and try, trying to get to the emotions of it all. And yeah. so I was really thinking deep about, you know, what do I feel passionate about? And, you know, in my day job, I deliver a cancer diagnosis every single day. And it takes a cancer diagnosis, tragically, for people to say to me, gosh, I want to start living a healthier life now. And I start thinking, look, my entire day is dedicated to early cancer detection. But what if we started focusing even, take that a step further, instead of early cancer detection, how about cancer prevention and just disease prevention in general? So once I got that, my mind wrapped around that, I really started looking into our leading causes of death as I broke it down into the book. Mm-hmm. And then take, took that a step further, how much of that could potentially be prevented? Yes, we know genetics play a role and our environment plays a role, but what about our own lifestyle factors play a role? And I was, to be honest, flabbergasted at how much of it really could be modified with just some simple lifestyle changes. Yeah, I've always wondered why insurance companies don't offer discounts if somebody shows proof they joined a gym or exercise program or, you know, why don't they cover dietitians or personal trainers or dietary supplements? Wouldn't that type of coverage help make America healthy again? Well, absolutely. But here's the thing. Just like an insurance card, a gym membership also doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be healthier again. But there are metrics, ways that you could actually check to see if someone is making the right steps to try and live a healthier life. And that is absolutely something that I break down a lot in my book. One of the biggest issues I had with the Affordable Care Act, you know, if you look at it, it's, it's really easy to sound like a bad guy to say anything against the Affordable right. Care Act. Because in the beginning, it was altruistic at best. You know, who doesn't want Americans to have access to medical care? And if you speak against that, you look like a bad guy. But here's the part that the Affordable Care Act got wrong. They said, you know, every, everyone is covered. The pre-existing clause 
which is the, you know, the most popular bipartisan Republican Democrats. Everyone loves the fact that pre-existing conditions are covered. However, they didn't. They said now everyone's pre-existing condition is covered and other people have to pay for it. So it doesn't matter how you live your life, what behaviors you do, what disease comes from that, because the other people are going to offset how much you cost the system. What if they actually said this is where we're at now. Everyone's going to be covered now at X amount of dollars. But if you can actually prove through metrics, through lowering your cholesterol, lowering your weight, or showing up for your mammogram, then you're going to actually get a discount on your premium or maybe some positive incentive. But instead, they didn't do that, which is why diseases continued to go unchecked, because they essentially gave a free pass into any sort of lifestyle. Right. I know a lot of people say we should have universal health care. And in your book, you discuss the downfalls of countries in the world that offer this. Share what we can learn from places like the UK, Canada and Iceland as compared to the US. Well, you know, they are, they, all the different countries are different. So mm-hmm. when it comes to it's really difficult for the United States to say, you know, we're just going to go to single payer because we've had about a century of healthcare policy that has moved mm-hmm. us farther and farther from a country of being able to adopt single payer. And as we're seeing under the Affordable Care Act, we're having less time with our physicians right now, increased wait times in waiting for doctor's office, and Americans want this instant gratification. They want to get in and they want to get in now. If we were to just overnight go to socialized medicine, all of the things that people hate about the Affordable Care Act will only get worse. And the biggest issue is, I don't care what kind of health system you want. You want socialized medicine? Fine. You want private system? Fine. I personally like the private system. But nothing is going to work unless we actually look at the supply and demand side. You can't just increase the supply in terms of a health insurance card and not focus on the demand. If we could actually focus on lessening illness in our country, then we wouldn't need some of these massive makeovers in terms of healthcare policy. We would save trillions of dollars in healthcare, and we would actually have a much healthier society. So until we actually focus from within and focus on getting Americans to a healthier place, then we're, nothing is going to work. And so it doesn't matter what you want because none of it will work. Yeah. I love in your book you talk about the rising cost of medical care and medicine. And you bring up the example of the EpiPen. It was a life-saving allergy medicine. went from $57 with annual sales of $200 million to 415 for a two-pack, which increased sales to a billion dollars per year. My question to you is if Home Depot decided during hurricane season they would increase the price of duct tape from $5 to $50 a roll, that would be considered illegal price gouging. And recently people that were selling hand sanitizer for 10 times the cost. Why are greedy drug companies given a license to steal? Well, that that is absolutely right. There are bad players. There are nefarious dealings when it comes to every every part of the private sector and in some in the drug manufacturing and elsewhere. And I would behoove to say that, yes, we need to be focusing on that as well. They cannot be price gouging. It shouldn't matter if it's a roll of toilet paper during hurricane season Mm -hmm. or an EpiPen. You need both of them. And I think President Trump has been very public about calling them out on these things. And it needs to be more than calling out. You know, Bernie Sanders' um, answer was to just restrict how much profit they can have. But that's not very American. You can't just say, He gave some arbitrary number saying, well, they can only go X amount over their production. But he didn't actually factor in the years of manufacturing and R&D that actually went into it. So, you know, you can't just pick a magic number out of the hat that feels right to you at that time. But, yes, I do believe that the price gouging in the 
pharmaceutical industry has to be, cannot go unchecked anymore. And I do believe I've seen a lot of things through health policy under the Trump administration that is focusing on it. And as well as some bipartisan congressional legislator that they've been trying to get past, but unfortunately COVID has taken over. But COVID itself has really brought to light America's problem. Yes, it was right. the most opportune time for my book to come out when all bookstores are closed. <laughs> COVID-19 has shown that we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable because of our chronic illness problems. We have had many deaths in the United States, about 97% of which people had chronic illness. If we could focus on lessening the chronic illness problem in this country, we'd be a much healthier nation and we would have been much stronger when it came to combating COVID-19. So true. And with this COVID-19 pandemic, we're seeing an increased telemedicine where now, I guess, people can visit their doctor from the comfort of their own computer. The doctor can now be at home as well. Do you think that uh, this is being a paradigm shift for future medicine? Well, I think telemedicine has been extremely important for before COVID-19, but people are very hesitant to move progress forward, especially when it comes to rural communities um, and certain pockets throughout the United States where they don't have access to health care. Telemedicine is critical to get to these areas. But I do think moving forward, yes, I mean, I have disabled patients or cancer patients who are very sick and it really they put in a lot of effort to physically get to the site just for a quick routine doctor visit it's about getting a car to get to them getting someone to take them yes now we actually need to embrace technology we're 2020 there's no reason not to keep the momentum going when it comes to telehealth services right i know in your book you list diet as public enemy number one as to why we are such a sick nation you know nobody would put out a fire by pouring gasoline on it. Why do you think people don't grasp the same concept by putting processed food in their mouth that fuels the formation of disease? Well, listen, I personally do not believe that America is this fat, slovenly nation. I think that it comes from just where we are in 2020. You know, I am a full-time working mother of three, and we have, over the last many decades, we have moved away from stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. who are preparing these fresh meals at home. We are all very busy. We're all working very hard. And I think we're all looking for a bit more convenience when it comes to making our lives a little bit more simple because they are so chaotic. And so I think that it's about education. I think people don't necessarily know when they're going and grabbing certain things in the in the grocery store that, you know, maybe have high salt or maybe the processed ours. I really believe it's about education, especially when it comes to our low socio income. Um, population. I think that when, you know, they're using their money, their food stamps, or even their Medicaid services, that it really needs to be restricted to, you know, more fruits and vegetables and overall just less processed foods. Right. I know with so many different diets out there to follow, food politics has gotten as diverse as Democrats versus Republicans. What have you found from your clinical or personal experience to be the most healthful diet to follow? What do you eat? So me personally, I mean, I have dabbled with a lot of things, but I hate Uh fad diets. I hate fads mainly because they just are really hard to maintain, especially when you're busy and have kind of a chaotic life. So for me, I do intermittent fasting. It works for me. It works for my family. Um, But I load my diet with um, fresh fresh fruits and vegetables in the afternoon. And I kind of have an unchecked dinner. You know, I eat pastas when I want. I eat red meat when I want. And I'll have a cookie when I want. But the bottom line is it's everything in moderation. You know, if I, 
if I want to have mashed potatoes, then I'll probably have mashed potatoes, but I'm certainly not having mashed potatoes every single day. And that is the key here. Like you can still have all of your favorite foods. You just can't have it every day, everything in moderation. And all you really need to be doing is just a little bit better than you're doing now. Increase your fruits and vegetable intake. Try and decrease the processed meats, you know, get in your lean proteins like fish and chicken, you know, you really look at the blue zone areas. Those are the areas across the world where you have people living significantly longer and healthier lifestyles. And it boils down to three things. It boils down to, you know, a diet that's very similar to the Mediterranean diet, which is we've all known about that. And it also goes into physical activity, not being a gym rat or following the latest, you know, insanity craze or whatever it is. We're not all going to be fitness models, but just getting up and walking around, moving more. We live such sedentary lifestyles. And lastly, it's about social connection. You know, up into their 90s, you have old men or women just sitting around playing dominoes, drinking a glass of red wine. It's being a part of a family, part of a community. If you couple those three things together, a good diet, increased social um, activity, as well as physical exercise, you know, you're going to live a much healthier life. And then on top of that, you go to your routine checkups, you get your cancer screenings, because ultimately you could be doing everything right. You could be living your healthiest life and disease can still ensue. And if you catch it earlier, you have a much better chance of surviving it as well as it's less invasive for the treatments and less costly for the nation. Well said. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I agree with you on, right there 100%. I was real glad to see you devote a section in your book on the detriments that stress, depression, and anxiety has on our health. What could legislators do differently to address mental health better in the future? Well, I mean, you get, all you have to do is look at what's going on with COVID-19 and the mental health aspect is not on the forefront. Yes, we're very concerned about the physical aspects of catching this viral illness, but what about all of this distance learning, what it's doing to our children, right. the anxiety, the depression of the economic fallout? Again, mental health takes a backseat to physical health and until they're treated equally, we're not going to be able to move forward as a nation. So I do believe that mental health services... It, you know, it's really easy to say, well, we have to stop having mental health be such a stigma. Well, okay, that's easier said than done. But until we have legitimate legislation that parallels mental health services with physical health services, then we're not going to be making much progress. And that being said, you know, psychiatrists are paid a, a very small amount of money for their services. Therefore, many psychiatrists don't actually take insurance and their cash pay. Well, what does that say to... The people who can't afford to pay cash, they are stuck with a very few select psychiatrists. They're not given choice. So no, psychiatrists need to be paid just as much as some of these other specialists are. They go through the same medical training. So true, yeah. And when you bring up mental health, I I thought an interesting spin in your book, you talk about the mental health of physicians. You talk about the evolution of physician burnout, and you actually share on average night, the ER, there's one doctor for seven to 10 acutely ill patients. How, How could, what can we do differently to address the mental health of our physicians? Well, I mean, I, as you know, I shared a couple of very personal stories within that of where I've seen physician burnout firsthand. I mean, I think every practicing physician on some level knows it. And that the truth is, it is because physicians are treated a bit different than every other profession. Think about it this way. When you go and you go get a medical bill, say you have an emergency, you go to the hospital, you come home, and then you get a hospital bill. Well, people get mad. They actually write articles about when people try and balance bill or collect payment on medical debt. 
what if what if you the same thing happened with a plumber if a plumber gives you a bill are you as mad do you not want to pay that if the service is rendered yeah. now now let's parallel to malpractice if a phys- physician messes up they didn't do something negligent but there was human error and they made a mistake and something happened the chances of the physician being sued is infinitely higher than any other physician or any other profession which is why Doctors pay hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in malpractice insurance. All of a sudden, doctors are not humans. They are not treated like humans. And that pressure does weigh on them because they are tasked with saving people's lives. But there is still the element of being human. Yeah. And like you said, you bring up a good point. You know, they, they, they see a patient they've got to treat and it's like the back of their mind. Oh, I've got to dot my eyes, you know, rather than dive in and just do what's necessary. I can't be sued. You're right. It's that, and that, com- that little voice in the back of their head saying, you know, everything I do, plumbers don't think that way. I've never thought of that. Bring up such a good point. <laughs> well, but also you have to think about it. Part of the reason our healthcare is so expensive is because physicians do need to over-order tests and over-diagnose because they are pricked playing what we call defensive medicine or in more crass terms, CYA medicine, cover uh-huh. your, you know, medicine. Yes. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed reading your book. And one of the big takeaways that I, I really embraced was uh, you have to decrease the amount of preventable illness. That's what we don't focus on. A large percentage of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and cancer can be avoided by simply focusing on self-care. What's another tip that you can share with people they can do to improve their health tomorrow that they can start doing better today? The good news is it's, it's it's baby steps, okay? Even taking small steps today will give long-term success. Just at, make your diet a little bit healthier. If you only have one vegetable a day, maybe make it two or three a day. You know, decrease, if, you ha- if you tend to have two to three cookies for dessert, have one. I mean, just that little difference will actually have an impact on your life. If you exercise zero times a week, just try to do it once a week, twice a week. And you don't even have to go to the gym. Just get up and walk around your building. Play outside with your kids a little bit. Just get your body moving. And also Call your family, call your friends, make sure you have that social connection there. All these little changes in your life will truly, truly equate to long-term health. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. We had a, um, a, a motivational speaker that was on saying, listen, you don't have to be a marathon runner tomorrow. Just run around the block once. In your mind, you're becoming a marathon runner. If that's your dream, don't run a marathon. Run around the block. If you want to lift weights and be a weightlifter, three curls. Just those three curls is baby steps. You know, you are a weightlifter when you're lifting three times, if that's all you can do. So you bring up such a good point. Baby steps. People always want to do the all or nothing. They don't realize there's a slow progress and they get frustrated and they quit. That's kind of what you're saying. Absolutely. I don't think I don't believe in extremes when it comes to anything in life and certainly not when it comes to health. I am not the epitome epitome of a fitness expert or a wellness expert. I drink a glass of red wine when I want it. I haven't been to a gym in a very long time because I just do my stuff at home. Um, But I do just think that we all could be doing a little bit better. Fantastic. And the minute we have left, anything else you'd like to share that we didn't have time to cover today? No, I just, my, my goal is to bring as much positive news as possible. And the good news is we have a lot of disease in the United States, but a lot of it could be prevented. So do what you can now because it's not only going to be good for your health, but it's going to be good for your children's health, your family's health, and overall, your country's health. We all play a part in this.
Well said. Thanks so much for sharing this very important topic. And, you know, we can't rely on our healthcare system or even our doctors to keep us healthy. You need to look in the mirror and there you will find the person ultimately responsible for your health care. Make America Healthy Again. It's available everywhere books are sold or you can go to NicoleSapphireMD.com and her last name is spelled S-A-P-H-I-E-R. You can follow her on Instagram at NicoleSapphire underscore MD. On Twitter, she's at NBSapphireMD. And for my daily health tweets and Facebook posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Sapphire share something today that somebody you know needs to hear, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library and share these segments of interest with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. This information is too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.